sometimes when I'm out with new climbers, I'm like, just take the fall, you're gonna be fine. And like, there's no words I can say that'll like convince your brain that you're safe when you don't feel like, <laughs> you know, safe. And so it's kind of like, well, I don't know, you just gotta take a lot of falls and like, see that you're okay. Welcome to Perennials, a podcast about growing up, getting wise, and trying to live a good life. I'm Victoria Russell. You might be able to hear in my voice that I'm a little sick right now, but I'm still very excited to introduce today's guest, Jillian Herbert. Jillian hiked the Appalachian Trail right after graduating from high school. Also known as the AT, this trail runs between Georgia and Maine in the eastern United States, and at close to 2,200 miles long, it traverses 14 states and is the longest hiking-only footpath in the world. So Jillian hiked that as a teenager and then went on to study biology in college and get really into the world of rock climbing. She continues to be an avid climber and is now a fourth-year veterinary student. In this episode, Jillian and I talk about how hiking the AT helped her build confidence in herself and see how much she's really capable of. And Jillian also talks about how rock climbing has become a way for her to get out of her head, into her body, um, focused and in the present, and also working with fear in a new way. And I hope that even if you're not interested in hiking or rock climbing, that Jillian's thoughtfulness about these subjects can give you some food for thought about, you know, is there a practice that you used to really like even when you were a little kid that really brought you in your body that maybe you haven't done in a while? Or what what do you do to get into your body out of your head to get stronger, to play, to challenge yourself and have fun? And I also just want to remind you um, that on the Perennials website, there is an email list sign-up form. And basically, whenever I put out a new episode, I send out an email with a link to the episode and a little bit of a reflection on what the episode means to me personally. I like to put that out there because it also invites you to think about it and write back to me if you want. Give me feedback about what you thought, what you'd like to hear more of on the podcast. So if you go to perennials.podbean.com, you can sign up for the email list. I only email when I post a new episode, so you won't get like any other emails from me in your inbox. Okay, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Jillian, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm really excited to talk to you about the outdoors and rock climbing, and um, I know that you said that hiking the Appalachian Trail was your gateway into the world of outdoor sports, so I'm curious about what your relationship was like with the outdoors as a kid. If you spent a lot of time outside when you were a kid, if you um, had adults in your life who brought you outdoors a lot, what was it like when you were little? Yeah, sure. So my both my parents are from New York originally. Um, my mom's from Long, Long Island and my dad's from Mount Kisco. Um, but they bought their first house in the Adirondacks. And I was very little when they owned that house. But um, we moved to New Hampshire from New York where we were living um, when I was about, I think, five years old, um, maybe a little younger. And so, yeah, I have tons of memories as a kid of being um, in the outdoors with my parents, um, skiing. My mom was a a big skier. 
um, hiking around and especially in New Hampshire, we lived in a pretty rural town. So spent a lot of time, you know, walking dogs on trails in the woods and stuff like that. Yeah. You, um, are good friends with Mallory who was on a previous episode of the podcast. And she told me a story about you guys getting lost on horses somewhere in New Hampshire when you were younger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We used to, man, we had so much fun. Um, yeah, Mallory and I became very good friends in second grade and I had horses. Um, I had horses growing up and we had them on, on the, on our property in New Hampshire and I had two horses, uh, and yeah, Mallory would come over and we'd just ride around the town, like on these, on this trail system. And we had no idea where we were going. We would just take off. And I'm sure my parents like maybe thought we had a better idea of kind of like a plan for the <laughs> trail ride, but we would just go and we'd get into like all, I don't know. We would just imagine like crazy adventures and stuff like in, in the woods on horses and we had a lot of fun. It's great, great, great childhood. Yeah. That's really awesome because I feel like, you know, I grew up in the suburbs in New Jersey, and um, the closest I would come to that was, like, riding my bike around the neighborhood, but it's yeah. pretty different <laughs> from just yeah, yeah. exploring on horseback. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, and I, I feel like that's kind of a regional thing. Like, I, I feel like New Hampshire, you're much more likely as a kid to be able to do something like that than in well, New Jersey. Well, it's because... Later on, um, we had a, a neighbor move in basically, not really a neighbor, it was like down the street, but they bought a house there. And then later we got to know them and the mother said, yeah, I mean, we pretty much bought this house because I saw, you know, Jillian riding her horse, like down 12A, like the middle, like the, in the road basically. <laughs> and it was like, oh my gosh, we have to live here. There's people just like riding horses down like the main road. <laughs> and wow. So, yeah, it was, I mean, it was really, I don't know, it was, I've never really actually thought about how kind of unique that is for a lot of places, but yeah, it was awesome. Super fun. So did you go to high school in New Hampshire as well? I did. Yeah. There's, um, in the town we live in, there's a, a public school, public high school, and then there's a private high school that just happens to be in the town that my parents lived in. Um, and you get like a discounted tuition if you live in that town. Um, so I was a day student at that, at that private school, um, which I think actually might be a good like segue into me hiking the AT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, cause I didn't, I didn't really, I was kind of trying to fit in in high school a lot and it was a, a private school and, um, not a lot of really outdoorsy people. Um, and I kind of, I kind of always felt, I played ice hockey, uh, in high school um, and I've never really been a team sports person. I'm, I'm not that competitive and I never really felt like I was really that into it or that good at it, but I was trying to kind of fit in with everyone. And then when it came time to apply to colleges, kind of everyone was applying to the same like 10, um, they're called the NESCAC colleges. They're like the little Ivy league schools in new England and the Northeast in general. And I just didn't really, it didn't really feel right. Like the tuition was so high and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but kind of everyone was doing it. And so I started thinking about like kind of what else I could do um, that wasn't just like going to college. And I actually applied to all those schools and I, I mean, I got into some colleges and decided to go to one. And then when I decided to hike the AT, I actually like deferred my um, 
deferred my admission to that school. Um, and then I actually didn't end up going <laughs> after the AT. I was on such a different track after that. Everything had sort of changed. And it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard for me to remember like what the real kind of desire, like where it stemmed from. A lot of the thinking I've done about this has been sort of in hindsight, like, oh, I guess I did kind of feel like, you know, I didn't fit in that well in high school. And, um, or I was like, trying to be someone who I kind of wasn't like this, like preppy New England, you know, <laughs> like prep school. It wasn't really my thing, but I didn't know what was. Um, and then hiking the AT, I was kind of like, I felt like I kind of met my people um, in doing that and, and sort of felt very um, welcomed and um, like at home in the outdoor community. And it kind of changed, like I was going to go to um, Wheaton College in Massachusetts. And I was thinking about like international relations or um, something with writing. And then I kind of became very interested in science and, and environmentalism um, after hiking the AT and ended up going to a um, environmental college in New York, actually. So that's really interesting. Were you one of those people who was like, I'm a history English per person, not a math science person? Like, did you have that kind of dichotomy in your head? I totally did. Um, I never really liked math and, um, I never really thought I was that smart. So science felt really like kind of unattainable, but I liked reading and I liked writing and it felt like, Oh, well I could do that. And I, you know, that's like classic 17, 18 year old, like, Oh, I like writing. I'll do that. And then you're like, Oh, I don't really know what that looks like. I don't know how to like, do I want to spend $50,000 a year yeah. on an education? like be a writer. I don't know. So, um, yeah, but then science, I, I think, I think really what the AT gave me was like a lot of confidence. Um, and then I kind of could see myself doing things that I didn't previously think I could do. And I think science was kind of in that category, um, which is, I guess, kind of like a, a leap, but I was sort of like, Oh, I can do stuff. I'm capable and I have more confidence now. Yeah. So what, what, gave you the idea to do the AT. Do you remember there being a certain impetus? Did you read a book or read a news article about someone who, I mean, I know being in New Hampshire, yeah. I'm sure you kind of like are very aware of people who are hiking the trail. Yeah. But. I guess it was my, um, I think it was my sixth grade teacher. I think it was in sixth grade, um, read us Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods. Oh yeah. Which, yeah, I think if you surveyed like all the people that hike the AT, like maybe half of them would mention Bill Bryson's <laughs> book. Um, it's just like a really fun book about the AT and I don't, he didn't even like through hike it, but um, it's like the most well-known, you know, memoir of hiking the AT. And that kind of like planted the seed in sixth grade. And then when I was kind of like searching for things to do that weren't expensive colleges and like trying to figure out who I was, it just kind of like came back to the kind of came to the surface as something like, oh, this would be a really unique thing to do that, you know, I don't know anyone who's done it. And um, it just sounded kind of, sounded really nice. I journal kind of on and off throughout my life. And I read a journal article that I wrote um, not too long ago. I mean, I wrote the journal, the journal entry a while ago, but I read it again. And it was like, I was like having really negative kind of body image thoughts when I was um, like in that phase of my mm -hmm. life. And I think hiking the AT like felt like a way to kind of like get that under control, which is um, 
kind of funny to think about now because I don't really give that any credit as like, oh, that's why I wanted to do it. But I obviously had thought that at some point because I because I wrote about it. Mm. So <laughs> I know it's funny how you can kind of forget some of those things that were so big for you at the time yeah. or like how they yeah. weighed in on a decision. Yeah, right. But yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me, too, because one of the things I love about camping and hiking is that you get to just be dirty and you don't have to care what you look like and there are no mirrors and there's no makeup like I find that so freeing that you can just be like yeah my fingernails have dirt under them and you know my hair is just on top of my head I mean my hair's on top of my head on a normal day anyway but like I don't have to feel bad about it (laughs) right yeah I think the no mirrors thing is huge like it is so nice to go for a long period of time without looking in a mirror Um, you just start feeling like very like yourself, I think. And you realize that like, no one really cares, like no one around you cares what you look like. And like, they don't have a mirror either. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a nice feeling. I totally agree. And there's no social media. You're in the woods and like, you're not on your phone and you can't be looking at Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And like comparing your life to other people's. Um, and your appearance to other people's like that's also very freeing yeah I yeah I mean I hiked the AT in um, 2010 so it was a little bit I like I had a Facebook but it was kind of pre you know like Snapchat Instagram all that and I had like a Blackberry phone when I hiked it Mm -hmm. you know like it was like that long ago Um, and uh, but I actually just recently deleted my Instagram um, and it was kind of a crazy I did not expect it to be such a freeing feeling. Mm. Like when I deleted it, I felt instantly like lighter. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't need to worry about that. And I didn't even know the extent to which I kind of, that it kind of stressed me out. Um, But yeah, that's been kind of huge lately, like not having one. Yeah, it can be really insidious. You just get so used to it, you don't even realize the effect it can have. But but that, yeah, yeah, that that whole idea of... um, hiking the AT and it affecting like your sen- your body image makes so much sense as well because like you're relying on your body to do things and like it's not about how you look it's about being able to get from point A to point B right yeah also I mean I lo- like I lost a ton of weight on the AT mm-hmm. I mean everyone does and um yeah I just felt like strong in a way that I hadn't really ever before in my life which I really love um, yeah, I really love when your body's like able to work for you in the way that you want it to. That's a great feeling. Yeah. And it's also obviously really frustrating when it doesn't, you know, yeah. you still have to love it anyway, or try to, or yeah. try not to beat up on yourself, but it is really empowering in the moments when you do feel strong. Um, yeah. so that's like a really gutsy thing to decide to do at any age. And the fact that you were just graduated from high school and did it is really mind-blowing to me (laughs) um and and it does take a level of confidence like I I know you said you gained confidence through it but it also takes some confidence just to think that you can do that and I'm just curious what the people around you said to you at the time or you know like how did your parents react to that were they supportive were they worried um and being like you know a young like a teenage 
young woman um, alone in the woods? Like, was that a hard sell for people? (laughs) Um, You know, it really wasn't. Like, my parents were super supportive. Um, Originally, I was going to go with a a classmate of mine that graduated, you know, high school with me and who was, like, pretty outdoorsy. And we decided that we were to see if we would like it or not. Because, you know, we graduated in 2009 in the spring and then – wasn't planning on hiking until March of 2010. And so in October of 2009, we went on like a, like a uh, practice backpacking trip for 30 day. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably less than 30 days, but I can't quite remember how many days it was, but we hiked the Vermont section, um, Massachusetts and Vermont on the AT essentially. And, uh, the funny thing is I, I really hated it. Like Hmm. I didn't, I, I didn't know what I was doing. It was super cold. Um, my backpack didn't fit me well. So I was kind of like in pain the whole time. Um, my friend and I got along okay, but it was just the two of us. And there's, that's not a busy time to hike. So we didn't really see that many other people. It was super isolating. Um, but I'd sort of already told so many people that I was going to hike the AT <laughs> that I felt kind of like, well, I still have to do like the real thing. Um, and I sort of like brushed it off like, oh, well it's fine. The real thing will be like way better. And it totally was, it was like a completely different experience. So, um, I'm glad I didn't actually use that as like a measure of how much I would enjoy it or not. Um, but yeah, my, that friend ended up not being able to hike the AT with me, um, due to like financial concerns. And my mom was sort of like, yeah, I just like, I would feel better if someone was going with you. And then basically recruited my older brother, um, to come with me. Um, he's a year and year and a few months older than me. And, uh, so he ended up kind of leaving college and flying back to Haiti with me. So we did it together, me and my older brother. So he, that's, so do you have like a pretty tight knit family? (laughs) Yeah, we've been close, but honestly, my brother and I were not that close in high school. We went to the same high school, but he was kind of like, Uh, much cooler than me Um, he was like yeah so he was a senior when I was a sophomore and um, like people didn't even know that he had a sister you know like he just (laughs) never really (laughs) Um, so we weren't that close and that's actually another like huge thing that the AT um, did was bring me and my brother much closer together Um, and he's such a it's like my favorite thing about my brother that he would just like drop everything and just be like yeah sure I'll hike the Appalachian Trail like several months before I'm supposed to leave like he just was like that's fine I'll do that yeah that's which is awesome that's really wild <laughs> like because also yeah. that I mean he was on whatever college track and so he had how much time did he have to take off from school like the spring semester and yeah, the fall I, semester he didn't go that spring and I can't I can't quite remember like I think I think he did go back to that college and finish um later from the same school he was at but um yeah, I think he was kind of like having kind of a rough time in school at the mm. time and sort of like, oh, this seems better. Um, but yeah, we had a great, I mean, it was so fun. Like we just got much closer and it was like the most time I'd ever spent with my brother. And then we were spending, you know, every day together. Mm. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but other than that, every, all my friends were like, I don't remember anyone being like, oh, that's crazy. I don't think you should do that. It's so funny, too, because when you mentioned Bill Bryson's book, I feel like Bill Bryson's book is 
from what I remember of reading it, which I did read it a couple of years ago, but I just remember getting the impression of like, huh, that sounds freaking miserable. Like <laughs> his account of it is like, does not sound fun. There are moments, but a lot of it sounds like pretty miserable. Um, yeah. So it's funny to hear that, you know. I think I was sort of searching. You're probably right. And I think I was sort of searching for like some challenging like life-changing thing um which is totally what it turned out to be but in a much different way I guess than I'd expected like it's not that hard to like walk in the same direction every day um and it was mostly just having that time to like reflect and meeting all those new people and doing something that's not like high school I think that was really like the life-changing thing and not so much like I don't know like the difficulty of like carrying a backpack for 2000 miles, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to ask about that whole idea of like your expectations versus reality, because I feel like so often, especially when we build something up in our minds, our expectations kind of have this like movie glow about them. Like, oh, it's going to be so like romantic in some way. I don't mean like, I mean romantic in in the sense of like, it's going to be grand and exciting and yeah. it's going to feel somehow different from how my life feels you know yeah. every other day um right and so I'm curious to hear like what kind of your expectations versus reality were you know when they how they say like childbirth you like forget the like pain parts yeah. you're like so yeah. happy that you're, like I feel like that's kind of like like recounting the ATs like no it was amazing it didn't rain a single day I was never like tired you know like never, but in reality like it's not it was pretty monotonous at times and um yeah I mean you're literally just like waking up putting your backpack on hiking for like 10 hours and then like going to sleep and but somehow it did feel like because you're moving like up the east coast and has this weird feeling like the like your hometown is moving up the east coast because you keep running into the same people and you get to know mm. people in different sections of the trail and um, it is kind of a wild, I mean, you can do whatever you want. You're like, I'm hiking to Maine, but if I want to stay in this trail town for four days and like hang out with these people, like I can do that, you know? And, um, so I think like it was really adventurous and, you know, I saw like beautiful views and got fit and like spent a lot of time just like thinking about life and like the outdoors and all that stuff that you kind of expect it to be, um, and then, yeah, there's all the stuff that you kind of don't think about, like poison ivy and like super bad blisters and mm. just general discomfort and monotony. But um, <laughs> it's so over, it's so like overpowered by all the good things. I think that I just never really think about those stu- that stuff. I feel that way about every hiking trip I've ever been on. That like totally. afterwards, yeah. I'm always like, it was so amazing and so fun and beautiful. And meanwhile, like in the moment, you know, I fell in the river and I was soaking wet and I was miserable for the next two miles while my socks were like rubbing up against my heel or whatever. Um, But yeah. Have you heard of like the types of fun? Like type two fun? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, it's not that fun when it's happening, but it's like really fun to like recount and like look back on. Yeah. I think a lot of outdoor sports are like, yeah, it's a lot of type two fun. Yeah. So I know that you said that hiking the AT gave you like more confidence and that confidence inspired you to, to study um, 
to change, you know, change the direction of what you decided to study in college. Yeah. But also, like you said, it, it kind of inspired you to get more into the world of outdoor sports. So I'm curious when rock climbing came into the picture for you, was that at all tied to the AT? Yeah, funnily enough, a girl that I met on the Appalachian Trail um, had gone to college. She took a year off of college to hike the AT, and she was going to the school, um, a SUNY school, so SUNY ESF, which is in Syracuse, New York. It's um, State University of New York College of Environmental Science and Forestry. And she, I had posted something on Facebook after the AT. I went to community college for a year and then decided to go to SUNY ESF. Um, to study environmental science. And I posted something on Facebook saying like, oh, I got into SUNY ESF and I'm going there. And this girl from the AT, Veggie, um, messaged me on, that was her trail name, messaged me on Facebook and was like, hey, I went to that school. You have to get involved with the outing club. It's like Syracuse University outing club um, is like this great group of people and they're all really cool. And it's a really like fun club. And they've got all kinds of outdoor sports you can do and whatever. And so, and then she hooked me up with like two other girls that were like still at SUNY ESF, Veggie had graduated, but, um, and so I met up with them right away when I got to Syracuse and they were like, oh yeah, our intro meeting is like next Tuesday, you should come. And that was like, like the best thing ever because I just got very involved in the club and, um, and through, and with rock climbing through the club. And it was just like, it was so cool because I got off the AT and I was like, oh my gosh, this, these are my people, you know, like I love being outside and outdoor sports. And then I just met like all those, all those types of people in college and just hung out with them for the whole time I was there. So <laughs> it was like, um, definitely, definitely a really nice connection that the AT brought. Yeah. It sounds like it must have been really cool to, while you're, while you were on the trail to just be around all these people who were also making a decision to like dedicate you know a big chunk of their year to yeah. hiking this trail and something that is pretty countercultural for you know the average person in the U.S. I guess you know um but when you have this whole community like those things don't seem so strange anymore it's like yeah we're all doing this like and we all know why and it's great right <laughs> like yeah it shifts yeah I've said that a lot I've been like it's everyone you meet on the AT are just like probably going to get along with them because it's just a weird, it's like such a unique thing that brought you to this like same place and, and time. Right. It's like, you're all, you all think it's like a good idea to hike from Georgia to Maine. And that's kind of all you need to like have a friendship, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's how I feel about like a lot of people I meet through outdoor sports. It's kind of like, well, we're all just kind of similar types of people and, you know, find joy in similar things. And it's like a nice, thing to bond over for sure. It is kind of interesting though, because I feel like you get like the, the, the outdoorsy type of person who seems like very kind of easygoing and laid back and really interested in just connecting with nature and their bodies. And then like, sometimes you get someone who is like actually super duper like type A and like really, really focused on like achieving certain goals yeah. and like it's really it interesting might be in that category yeah <laughs> you're totally right yeah or like is. I mean we all have layers like you could be all of those things right but yeah it is really interesting how like before I 
started doing a little more hiking and things like that, like, I kind of just thought, oh, like, outdoorsy people who do this stuff are just so, like, laid back. And and then I would meet people who are so, like, goal-oriented and driven and disciplined. And it's, like, it's, like, a really interesting mixture of different parts. But I could also see there being some, like, really different personalities that you would meet on the trail. Like, some people who are, like, totally kind of going with the flow and wandering and other people who are like nope I've been like plotting this out for the past 10 years and I know exactly you know how much my backpack weighs at every moment right (laughs) things like that yeah it's a bit of a microcosm you know there's like people from all like all over the spectrum for sure yeah and I meant to ask what was your trail name oh it was tumbleweed oh that's adorable yeah Yeah. Um, it was mostly that I was not, I was kind of clumsy and I would fall down a lot. And, um, I think tumbleweed just sounded kind of like, you know, earthy and trail namey, whereas Mm -hmm. like tumbles was kind of what people (laughs) called me, but it wasn't as like, (laughs) I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was tumbleweed. And you all name each other on the trail, right? Like someone has to give you that another AT hiker gives you your name, your your nickname. Yeah, traditionally there's some story and then you like get a trail name. Some people come onto the AT with a trail name. Um, it's like, I don't know. And it's, <laughs> it's like, it's not the way I would choose to do it. But I guess if you're worried about what someone would name you, <laughs> then maybe it's easier to just bring your own. Um, <laughs> And sometimes trail names change, you know, if like something cooler happens and people start calling you something else. But do you remember your brothers? Yeah, he was Skyrocket because his name's Skyler. Oh, that's also pretty funny with like the dynamic you described of you two in high school. Like it is kind of funny that he was Skyrocket and you were Tumbleweed. It's really funny because <laughs> of the two like types of people, types of um, outdoorsy people you're describing, like. My brother is um, the super laid back kind of (laughs) chiller who like didn't have a guidebook. He like rarely knew or cared like how many miles we were planning on doing. And I was kind of the one that was like, okay, we need to do like, like this many miles this day. And like, we're going, we're moving too slow. You know, we need to do more miles tomorrow. And he was kind of just like along for the ride. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. Um. I would imagine that it could be scary, like, when you were finishing the trail to start thinking about what you were going to do next. Definitely. Um, Yeah, I ended up going to somewhere along the trail. I decided that I wasn't going to go to Wheaton College for international relations in the fall and that I would just go to community college. And then um, that was kind of a tough year in between. The year I was in community college, I was back at my parents' house as waitressing. and just taking classes in community college and deciding where I was going to transfer. And it did feel very like, man, I had this really clear goal and was working towards this thing for the last, you know, five months. And now I feel like sort of lost again. Um, But I think, and and I do remember going through kind of like, you know, a little bit of a mild, like depressive phase where I felt like just really nostalgic and like really wanted to be back on the AT. Um, and then I think when I started getting into like classwork and community college and like becoming engaged with like learning again, I, I really love being in school. I've always loved being a student. It kind of, 
um, yeah, it kind of brought me back. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to transfer to ESF. And now I have a goal again. I'm going to like get my bachelor's degree. And so I think the lull was like temporary. And then, yeah, certainly once I got to ESF and, and met, you know, all the people in the outing club and stuff, um, just felt really like things were coming together. <laughs> yeah. And so it was yeah. in that club, was that the first time that you tried, um, rock climbing once you joined that club? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I ended up actually, um, I dated the like rock climbing leader of the club. There is a totally student run club. Um, but every kind of sport had like a, a leader basically. Um, that was like the head of that sport. And so I, I ended up dating the guy that was like the head of the rock climbing, um, sport and got really into it through him basically. Um, and I mean, I'm not going to say I dated him to learn how to rock climb, but that was definitely (laughs) in my mind. (laughs) Um, yeah. And then, yeah, rock climbing. Uh, I also, I did a lot of hiking and stuff in, in the club as well. I hiked like I listened to one of your episodes of someone that hiked all 46 high peaks in the Adirondacks. And oh, yeah. um, I did all those as well in college, Dang. Um, which was a really fun, like, just kind of like, I love like checklists like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, kind of like nerdy, but I'm just like, oh, there's a list of like 46 things. Like I would love to go check them all off. So I hiked just like every weekend that I could. And mostly when it was raining, because if it was like nice out, I was going rock climbing. And so on like rainy weekends, I would just like, drive up to the Adirondacks and sometimes like sleep in my car at a trailhead and then just hike as many peaks. The nice thing about those mountains is they're pretty close together. So you can do like six or eight peaks in one day. It's kind of a big day, but I was like so used to hiking really long days from the AT that, um, yeah, it was just really, really fun. I'd go hike like six or eight in a day and then go home. (laughs) So your introduction to rock climbing was outside initially, not like in a gym. Yeah, there wasn't actually a climbing gym in Syracuse, um, which is kind of crazy now because I think there's like three in Syracuse now. Um, But when I was getting into it, uh, we would pretty much just go climbing in the Adirondacks um, and we would drive. This is insane now, but we would drive like an hour, an hour and a half to a gym in Oswego, which is like way up north. Um, like on weeknights to Boulder, which Mm. is like climbing without a rope, you know, in a gym. And, um, yeah, it's an, it's crazy that I did that, but we probably did that like at least once a week, maybe twice a week we would drive like a big car from of outing club. People would drive like an hour and a half up to Oswego and go moldering. Yeah. A lot of dedication. (laughs) Now you can like climb in a gym in like any town in the United States. Yeah. So when you were climbing outside, were you bouldering or top roping or? Yeah, I was mostly top roping. Um, the guy was dating, uh, like trad climbed and that's kind of what there was in the Adirondacks at the time. There's more sport climbing there now. Sport climbing is when there's like bolts already drilled into the rock and you're just clipping them. Whereas trad climbing is when you have like camming devices and stuff that you're sticking into cracks and clipping that. Um, so he was, he had a trad rack and, and we could, that's what you need to go trad climbing. So I would like just top rope, um, he would lead everything. And yeah, so that was kind of like my intro to climbing. And then my parents in New Hampshire live pretty close to Rumney, which is a big sport climbing area. So summers that I was home, I would sport climb at Rumney and, um, yeah, I just got really into it throughout college. 
Yeah, and it's it's funny because my um I I just bought my my fir- my first pair of climbing shoes the other night. Um, because <laughs> I congratulations. <laughs> Thank so you. Exciting. Thank you. You don't have to wear those rentals at the gym uh, anymore. Yeah, it's so funny how like, um, and I've I've never climbed outside, so like I'm not. I'm not a rock climber, but um, I go to the gym for fun. And like, it took me so long to realize, um, to even notice like, oh, these rental shoes that don't fit right are really frustrating me because I can't do like what I know I could do if I was actually wearing shoes that fit. But it took so long for me to like get comfortable enough to even notice something like that. Um, Yeah. You don't want to like blame the gear, you know, you don't want to like be like oh it's the shoes but like a lot of times it kind of is yeah you know <laughs> I was actually thinking that when you were saying about you know your first your hike um of the Massachusetts and Vermont sections of the Appalachian Trail like yeah your backpack not fitting right like I something that I've learned over the past few years um is like actually it does like really matter like what shoes you're wearing and stuff like that like I going into things like that I always thought like oh I wouldn't want to be high maintenance like anything's fine and but like you actually start to realize like well no it does make like a really big difference when you know something like doesn't fit or something's way too heavy when um, I see people climbing in the gym here in like tennis shoes I'm just like hey it's like it's way easier with climbing shoes you know like you're here just do yourself a favor and like get the climbing shoes like will change your life <laughs> <laughs> even things like you know um I get cold so easily so I would have thought there was you know in the past I would have just thought well I'm just never gonna go hiking when it's like really cold out um but like when I, I started dating my boyfriend Martin um who's super into the outdoors you know he was very like you just need the right layers, you know, <laughs> like it's yes, not, yes. it's not actually like impossible. Like it doesn't have to be totally miserable and it's not impossible. Like you just need like right. some to think about, you know, how you're outfitting yeah. yourself for these things. And I was like, oh yeah, it does really yeah, make do a huge your, difference. Do yourself a favor, you know, if you're like going to do something, just, just like outfit yourself to not be miserable. And like, who knows, maybe you'll actually like doing that. That's why I think that's how I feel about ice climbing. Like every time I've been ice climbing, I've been so cold. And I'm like, well, maybe if I actually had like a good pair of, I mean, it doesn't make sense now because I live in Georgia, but maybe if I actually had like a good pair of boots where my feet wouldn't freeze, right. like this would be exponentially right. more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Martin loves ice climbing and, um, I have such little tolerance for the cold. Like I have legit rain odds in my fingers and toes, so I just lose feeling so quickly. Um, so yeah, I know if I might ever not be the sport for you. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that would ever be like my thing. I was like, maybe someday I'll just go watch you, and I'll have like hand, like toe warmers and hand warmers, and like a mug of tea, and I'll just watch you till totally. I get cold, and then I'll just go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, the problem with ice climbing is you spend so much time with your hands like above your head yeah. and all the blood's just like draining out of them. It feels mm-hmm. impossible to keep your hands warm, but I don't know. I'm sure people do it, so. Yeah. So my introduction has been just in the gym and mine is like so opposite too because I was very intimidated by the fact that my boyfriend was super into rock climbing and stuff when we started dating because I was like, oh, I'm not that kind of person. Like I won't be able to keep up and like 
you know, we won't have that in common. But there was always this part of me that was like, as afraid as I am of like heights and things like that, like there's always been this like little adventurous streak in me that's like, but I want to like keep trying and see if I can like get over the fear part because I think it could be really fun, you know? Um, And it's taken like years for me to actually, like the first few times I went, I just felt like this is a test and I'm going to fail. And I feel like I'm not good at this and it makes me feel dumb and like all these people in the gym seem like really cool and like they fit into this outdoors group you know (laughs) like they're wearing all the right clothing and gear and like I don't belong um and it took me finally just being like this isn't a test and like I don't have to be good at this at all um to finally start enjoying it and like actually get better I really cool to be the type of person that's willing to like put themselves in a position to be bad at something and just be like, I don't care. I'm like trying to learn. Um, not everyone's like that. And honestly, I, I don't really like to feel like I'm bad at stuff. I guess no one does, but I'm kind of like, like my boyfriend now is, um, like really into bikes and he's like mountain biker and like road biker. And I've just never felt like I'm good at biking and I've kind of just avoided it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm just not good at that. And I don't like doing stuff I'm bad at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's cool. And I totally get that the climbing gym can be a really intimidating place. Have you found the community to be like more welcoming than you thought they would be or not really? I haven't really gotten into a community. I'm actually taking a class for the first time this week. So maybe I'll like meet some more people. I did find like um, over the summer, this past summer, like when I started going more and I started going by myself, like there were instances where another woman was there and she'd just be like, do you want me to belay you? And I'd be like, oh yeah, thanks. And, you know, so they're like, I find it, it's like individual people can be really nice. And then sometimes when it's people in groups, it can feel a little bit like more clicky, I guess. Yeah. Um, But it's also like, I would imagine the gym culture is like different from the actual outdoor culture too. So you know, yeah, I've, I've kind of just started dipping my toe into the whole thing. And I'm like pretty introverted. So, um, yeah. And like you said, I mean, there's like a whole other level of when it's something that you that you're physically doing with your body, like and people are watching you and you can like look dumb in a very physical way. Like to me, it's just so like visceral, like don't look at me like I just want to do this yeah. and I don't want anyone watching. Yeah, it's a huge barrier, I think. Yeah. Did you fall in love with rock climbing pretty much right away or was it like a slow burn like what did it look like for you when you started climbing and what really attracted you to it and made you go like oh it's worth it to like you know drive two hours (laughs) a couple nights a week yeah I think rock climbing is really stimulating um like mentally stimulating and I was really kind of fascinated with the idea that I could like get exercise and be like mentally engaged um because I don't really enjoy playing team sports and I guess that's like I mean I guess you're pretty like into the game if you're playing team sports and you're like thinking about plays and stuff but I kind of like am always doing sports where I'm like hiking where I'm just like zoning out and I'm thinking about like whatever um or running or something like that but climbing I was so like focused on trying to figure out sequences and trying to like find the best way to climb something and um just really kind of in it and it felt really engaging to me in a way that like physical stuff hadn't before um and also I was so weak like the first time I went to a climbing gym I couldn't 
Um, like a sit start is when you start sitting down and you have to like pull your body up um, and then like keep climbing the the boulder problem. And I literally couldn't do it. Like I couldn't pull my body from a seating, sitting position, like off the ground. And it felt just kind of like, whoa, I had, there's so much improvement I can make here. Um, that it's like really exciting. Like, and I see people that are doing, like are doing things that look like, oh my God, I don't know if I could ever do that. And it was just like this, I don't know, just really engaging challenge. Um, and yeah, I just kind of like, I liked the idea of rock climbing. I was like, oh, you can go to these like really beautiful places and it gets you outside. And I'm kind of like bored just hiking around with this backpack all the time. Um, it was kind of like the next thing that would get me like super psyched to be outside. Um, and then when I started like seeing a lot of progress, like I felt like I was getting stronger and I could like, you know, figure out the sit start thing and then started climbing like harder and harder stuff and climbing outside. It just felt I don't know, just like, wow, there's so much growth to be done in this, in like with this sport. And it's kind of like, I'll never get bored of doing this. And that's kind of been the case. Like, um, it's just been really cool. I've gone through kind of like periods of, with my climbing where I'm like progressing kind of rapidly. And I feel like I'm really getting things and like getting really strong and then like kind of long plateaus, um, where it's just kind of like training and then I'll see some more improvement again. So I don't know. I just really like that. I've never really had that with another another sport. Yeah, it is amazing how right away you see like exactly how weak you are and in what areas. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And um, but if you believe that you can get better, it's so motivating to be like um, and even just I guess when you do have someone who's been doing it longer, who can give you just tips for um how to do things that you're struggling yeah. with and like to, to work on. Um, it really is like so motivating. And I know you mean about, you know, like when you're going for a walk in the woods, like, yeah, you, you're, you can just be ruminating. Like you can, you know, it's, it's harder to really be in your body and like not be so much in your head for me anyway. Right. And when you're doing something that's like so challenging physically and mentally, it's like you can't be so in your, you're in your head, but in a different way, like you said, a much more focused way, right? Because yeah. um, like my boyfriend Martin used to say, like when we, when I, the first couple times I went with him and I was just kind of like hating it kind of, <laughs> except for these moments yeah. where I was like, oh, this is cool. He was like, it's like a puzzle, like you have to figure it out. And I was like, I don't even get what you're saying. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it is. It's like you have to you have to like figure it out for yourself because also like the way that he climbs being like, you know, I don't know, like almost a foot taller than me is going to be different from how I do it sometimes because I can't reach the same things he can. Yeah, it's kind of a very personal like journey. You're like, oh, there's there's definitely more than one way to climb this. And like, I'm going to figure out what works for me. Um, And it is a very like individual um, kind of challenge thing. And I think the other thing about climbing that's like, in addition to kind of like the mental engagement of figuring out the problem or the route is just like the fear aspect of it. When you start climbing outside and you start leading a lot. Um, so now I lead like sport and, and trad and, um, and yeah, it's been like, I mean, the sport climbing thing was like, 
I was definitely scared of falling when I first started leading on sport and I definitely didn't want to try really hard moves like above a bolt because I was just like scared and I've kind of totally pushed pats past that and um it's been like a really exciting like progress point I feel like where I'm like wow now I can like focus in a whole new level because I don't have this like fear thing in the back of my mind um not to say that I like never get scared rock climbing, but it's like really kind of rare for me to be like scared on a sport route. Now I'm just like really thinking about the movement and um, yeah, I'm not really thinking about like my belay or like about being above the bull or anything. And so I think like that progress has been really motivating and has kind of like unlocked more, like kind of more potential for myself um, and just stuff like that. Like I haven't quite gotten there with trad climbing, but it's like something that i I'm kind of working towards and just like, I guess, yeah, just so much growth that I feel like I can do in the, within the sport. For people who aren't like super familiar. So like when you're sport climbing and you're, you're clipping into bolts, basically like if you're climbing above a bolt, then if you fall, you're going to fall the length of like to the bolt and then past the bolt. Right. So yeah. like, yeah, you're like, going like, to fall. The yeah right so however many feet um which is yeah scary even if you are roped in like that's scary um yeah because you could you could still theoretically you know get hurt right um yeah and I think um I do think it's more like a lot of climbing things are like you're scared and that's like appropriate that you're scared (laughs) um and but it's also like I think once you have like trust in your systems and in your blair and your ability to like fall safely and stuff, it's really more of like a, like you don't really need to be scared and you still feel like of the residual fear and like being able to manage that is, um, I think sort of really interesting because it's like that happens in like all parts of life. I think like something's kind of scaring you and it's not, it's not really, it shouldn't really be causing you so much kind of anxiety, but it is. Um, and being able to kind of turn that off and like focus on what you're trying to do, I think is a really valuable tool. Yeah, I think that that's such a good way of putting it because it's like our bodies and our minds are wired to like detect threat and to try to keep us safe. And for some of us too, like our alarm systems are way more sensitive and get tripped way more easily, right? And yeah, um, and so. Because even like climbing in the gym on a rope, it's always interesting to watch like when people are maybe taking a first lesson at the gym or climbing for the first time and they get to the top of the wall or wherever they want to stop. And then the person belaying them is like, okay, you can let go. And they're like, I can let, I can let go. And they're like, yeah, "Yeah." like just let go. And they're like, just let go, you know, and they're like cleaning. And that was like me the first time, like you're cleaning to the wall, like, but I'm 30 feet above the ground or whatever, like what's going to happen, even though the person belaying you is like holding you tight, you're not going to go anywhere, you're not going to like drop to the ground. Um, But it's like an instinct, like our brains are just totally wired, right? Yeah. And I do think we get that, um, you know, not just like being 30 feet off the ground, but like, totally, if you feel like you're introverted, like maybe you get that feeling like, going to like I get it with kind of like networky type events I'm like oh so like anxious about this and like overanalyzing um kind of like what to say to people in like this professional setting and stuff and it's like it's so unfounded then when you actually like go to the thing it's like oh that was like not bad at all like I didn't need to think about that so much (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. So I think just like kind of being able to control that part of your brain that's like reactionary like that is is really valuable. So what are some of the things that you actually do in the moment to kind of like calm your nervous system and like focus in? I know it's probably much more intuitive for you now, but are there specific things that like I know for me just learning to like literally like breathe and like hang back and like relax your muscles, you know, things like that that feel very counterintuitive when you're scared, but are the things you have to do. Um, what are some of the things that you've done to kind of learn how to um, calm your body and calm your mind and like focus in? Um, yeah, I think breathing is huge. Um, and especially, I guess if I'm talking about like just rock climbing, um, yeah, I try to just like really focus on um, focus on like the movement and, uh, the kind of like task at hand, if you will, like the, the section of the route I'm climbing or whatever. And I try to, um, any, like when I'm getting kind of like, Oh my gosh, am am I like above my boulder or whatever? I feel, um, like if I can kind of, if I can put myself more, if I can focus more on the actual climbing and actually like moving my hands and moving my feet, like thinking about that, I can kind of get so hyper-focused in on that that I kind of like forget the kind of background stuff. And that's really what I'm like trying to do all the time when I'm climbing is just be really in it. And um, uh, that's like been helpful for me. But I think it's also just an experience thing. Like I've taken so many falls rock climbing that I just kind of know, like I know I'm going to be safe. Um, And so I can kind of like more easily like brush off that kind of fear as like, irrational and put it in the irrational category. Whereas if maybe you haven't had that many experiences, you, you just still don't really know. And you like, do feel like you're in danger still. Um, so I think, yeah, just a combination of experience and like focusing, um, has been kind of helpful for me. And that makes sense also, because like you said, you do build up trust in yourself and the system and maybe whoever you're climbing with. And it's not like you're, you go out there and the first time you're doing something, you trust all of that because it hasn't been earned yet, right? Like you have to build up that trust. Like it's fair for you to be more scared um, in the beginning and and to like build trust over time as you get the experience. Yeah. And like you said, to kind of learn over time, oh, I am safe, like just by practicing yeah. and doing it. Totally. It doesn't, do any it doesn't do like sometimes when I'm out with new climbers it's like you're saying you're like just let go or I'm like just take the fall you're gonna be fine and like there's no words I can say that'll like convince your brain that you're safe when you don't feel like (laughs) you know safe and so it's kind of like well I don't know you just got to take a lot of falls and like see that you're okay and that's like what I tell people now is like you just got to lead more routes and like be above more bolts and take more falls and you'll start feeling, you know, it'll start being feeling comfortable to you. And that's really like a thing in life is like getting outside your comfort zone is kind of, I've always thought like the only way to really like make that comfort zone bigger. Right. So if you never put yourself in that position, you're like not going to expand that comfort zone. So, um, I try to think about that and just like, when I feel scared, especially trad climbing, like I feel very scared still trad climbing. Um, I'm like, this is good. Um, I need to be in this position more to become more comfortable with it, basically. Yeah, because the the smaller we make our worlds, the more scary our worlds become because, you know, you can't control everything. So in the tiniest 
when you have to, like you really, really have to be pushed out of your comfort zone and you're not used to doing that at all, you're just like kicking and screaming the whole way, right? (laughs) Right. Or it feels like, yeah, really scary. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't, this is like so different from what I'm used to. But if you're kind of always putting yourself in that position, um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it just gets easier. Yeah. And how do you learn? are, Are there actual physical things about learning how to fall? how to literally learning how to fall that you learned? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I guess not to get too technical, but things like not getting your heel behind the rope in a way that it's going to like flip you upside down is huge. Um, just knowing where the rope is in relation to your body. Mm, I like Uh, never even thought about flipping upside down. So that's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's the kind of thing like, you know, hopefully Martin, if you went outside would like fill you in on those kind of like (laughs) I'm sure he like doesn't tell me a lot of things on purpose about like what could happen yeah totally (laughs) um yeah and like having a a a belayer who can give you like the term is a soft catch like if your belayer actually like jumps a little bit you fall a little farther but it's a much softer um fall uh and then like you won't swing in as hard into the wall, which is like how people kind of like break ankles when they fall. Like they get a really hard catch and they like swing super hard into Mm. the wall. Um, So yeah, there's, there's things like that, but it's also just like, you know, sometimes when I see new climbers fall, they kind of like flail a little bit and it's like, don't do that. Just (laughs) (laughs) fall straight down, you know, like (laughs) um, that's hard. That's harder to like teach. It's just kind of like, well, yeah, it's like shocking, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What inspires you about certain types of climbing versus other types of climbing, which I guess you you kind of touched upon with the track climbing like you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, but um since there are so many different types of climbing, like what do you what do you find most inspiring? Yeah. Um honestly, it's kind of been a product of where I've been living. Uh like in the Adirondacks, um there's so much kind of like fun adventure trad climbing that's pretty hard. And that kind of felt like what I wanted to do. And then when I moved down to the Southeast, it's kind of famous for really overhanging like steep sandstone sport climbing. And that's like really steep sport climbing was something I had like zero experience with before moving down here. And it felt really intimidating. Cause I'm like looking at this like 45 degree overhung, um, wall and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm strong enough. And over the last few years of being here, it's like, oh no, I can like get strong enough to climb this kind of stuff. And so that's been pretty inspiring. Um, I recently bought a bouldering pad um, for Christmas. Uh, my my parents bought me one, and that's been kind of huge because now I can like go by myself to bouldering areas, um, which is a totally different experience. It's like a much more like, I'm like, oh, I need to go like go alone to Boulder and like think about my life and like not have to like talk to a belayer or anything. (laughs) Um, so I kind of like that. I, that there's like a type of climbing that I can like go do on my own and like, um, but then I also, I love being in mountains. So I like to do trad climbing and I've done some like Alpine climbing and yeah, it's like long days in the mountains. I've always loved that. So I don't know. I guess that's not a very satisfying answer because maybe it would be like more interesting if I was like, oh, I love sport climbing because, but I sort of just love moving my body over like rocks and like whatever shape that is in is like great. I'm happy to go do it. 
Um, so I guess I just kind of like consider myself to want to be like a well-rounded climber. Yeah, I like that too, because actually, whenever I'm asking someone on the podcast about how they got to a certain, like a job or, um, I don't know, something that they're, that they are really passionate about now. And they say like, well, I wish I could say I always wanted to do this thing and I was super focused. But the reality is like some of it just had to do with my environment in one way or another and like kind of where I ended up. Um, I actually love that because that's like so much of life, right? Like we don't have to always be choosing exactly, you know, um, I don't know, like being open to um, where you are and like, and the environment that you're in, I think is really cool. Yeah. It's kind of the anti, like grass is always greener uh, mindset, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I do think I have, like a grass is always greener. Like I get kind of antsy when things are like, when I feel like things are stagnating, like I'm like, Oh, I've been in, I've been in Georgia too long. Like I, I'm feeling very antsy to leave. Um, and so I try to be like, you know, just like water the grass you're on and like, um, just like you're having a great, like great new experiences here in this place. And, um, I'm trying to not always be thinking about like the next thing I'm going to do or like the next place I want to live or Mm. something like that. But yeah. And you're in vet school right now, right? I'm in vet school. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm at the university of Georgia and I'm starting my fourth year. Um, which has been kind of a really exciting like transition time. I've been like sitting in class for like 20 years of school and I'm finally uh, starting clinical rotations this week and um, like working in the hospital and stuff now. So yeah, it's really exciting. It's like a lot of, a lot of change, but it's kind of um, really exciting transition to make. Do you have a particular type of vet medicine that you want to practice one day? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really into pathology, um, and research. So kind of like the diagnostic side of things. So like if your dog had a tumor, um, and they biopsied it, they would then send that biopsy to a pathologist who would tell you like what kind of tumor it is and, um, how aggressive it is or things of that nature. So I'm very interested in that and, um, probably try to do a residency in that after vet school. Like I said, I never really considered myself to be that smart or good at science when I was growing up. And then um, after the AT, I kind of, I went to the environmental college and I took some environmental science classes and, um, but I I wanted my degree to be like really general. So I just got an environmental, a degree in environmental biology, which was really just biology. Um, And so I took uh, some classes in like infectious disease and public health and became like very interested in infectious diseases and started doing some research and then um, kind of had this moment where I was like, you know, I could go to vet school. Like I'm doing well in college and I'm enjoying science and like that's a real option. Um, and it's, yeah, I don't know why I thought that I couldn't earlier in my life, but I had kind of written it off as like, oh, I'm not really smart enough to do that. Um, and yeah, so then I like applied to vet school and I didn't, I didn't really get in anywhere that, that year, which was my junior year of college. And so after college, I spent like a year kind of working. I did like field research in Arizona um, for a season. I taught at a science school in Wyoming and then ended up doing research at the University of Georgia um, and then decided to apply to vet school again once I got residency in Georgia. So 
that's what I've been doing. Been down here doing research and going to vet school. Well, I think you sound like a very brave soul. <laughs> and Thank you. I think it's really cool that you've, you know, built confidence in yourself and like been willing to think, oh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I'm much more capable of some things than I thought. Like, that's really, really cool. Um, yeah, I wish I wish I like really wish that for everyone that they like um that they have like a voice in their head that's like advocating for themselves at some point, you know, like, no, I can do this and I don't need to be intimidated by this thing or think like it's not for me if it's something you really want. Um, cause I think like a lot of people are capable, like both physically and, and like mentally of, um, doing things that they like didn't think they could do. Yeah. Okay. I have one more question if you have time for it. Sure, yeah. So if you've heard other episodes, you might know what's coming. But I like to ask people, um, what's something that you are learning about or growing into right now? I did know you were going to ask me this. And (laughs) I was like trying to think about, um, I guess like the most honest thing I can say is that this transition from the classroom into clinics um, has been like, I've been just spending a lot of time thinking about kind of how to succeed in this, in these clinical rotations and how to like become a good doctor and like learn how to be a veterinarian. Um, and so I think I'm just kind of like spending a lot of time right now thinking about like, I don't know, like how I want to learn to interact with clients and like start seeing patients and just like becoming a doctor, I guess is kind of the most like growth that I feel like I'm doing right now. I also consider myself to be, um, pretty introverted so I think just like I've been in a classroom and like studying and like taking tests and I'm good at that and I totally understand it and then having to like go into an exam room with like a client and their pet is giving me like a ton of Mm. um kind of anxiety so yeah I think that's kind of the big thing right now can you see yourself bringing any climbing mindset to like that type of situation (laughs) um Man, I would love to. I, I do <laughs> like I I think about the comfort zone stuff. Um I think the big thing and I sometimes I feel like kind of two different people because like I spend so much time in school and studying that it really takes away from my like time climbing and in the outdoors. But then I'm kind of like, you know, the same things are driving both of these motivations and it's just like I really love learning and um and I really love being challenged and that school has been like a very challenging thing for me. Um, so yeah, I think like sometimes I get kind of resentful of it. Like, Oh my God, this is taking way too much of my energy and my time. But I, but I, you know, I truly like love, um, being in that position where it's like, I don't know things. I want to learn everything. Um, and definitely it's, it's given me that it's made me feel like I don't know anything. So (laughs) (laughs) just like climbing, I'm super weak and I can't do it. That's kind of how I feel. Well, I think you're going to do great. <laughs> I think Thank your you. your record, your past record um, is pretty strong that you'll do great. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we'll get through it. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me tonight. I'm so glad Thanks that we got to me. do this. Yeah. Mallory told me, she was telling me about you and I was like, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to find like a woman around our age who's like hiked the AT or like likes rock climbing because I admire (laughs) all that so much and I want like the perspective like 
I don't have anything against men, but I just think women have like a whole other um, <laughs> layer sometimes yeah. of uh, obstacles, like different types of obstacles with some of that stuff. Yeah. So. Well, and I'll add to that, that um, like, I know your boyfriend's a climber and stuff, but I always like, and I learned to climb through the guy I was dating. Um, but there's so many women climbing now and like doing stuff in the outdoors that like, even if you are not dating a dude that does it, like, there's no reason like women can't kind of like teach each other these things yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, climbing with women can be like a totally different experience. They're like not way taller than you. And like, they don't have like <laughs> super testosterone strength. So usually <laughs> yeah. it's like helpful. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Perennials Podcast. I'm Victoria Russell. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a review on iTunes. It really helps other people to find the show. You can follow along on Instagram at Perennials Podcast, and feel free to send me an email at perennialspodcast at gmail.com. The song you're hearing now is I Orbit a Moon by Paul Finn.